So last week we talked about there are five woundings in medical science and we dealt with one of them, contusion. And I told you that this was the bruising of Christ. All five of them he experienced for us. And I told you we we're going to deal with that and we are, but just not today. Uh, we're going to go to lacerations of the body. We're going to go to the perforations of the thorns in his head that was never removed. We're going to deal with, I mean, that's the penetration. We're going to deal with the perforations through his hands. And then we're going to deal with the incisions that took in the side. All of them that he took to the cross when he was wounded for our transgressions, he was wounded and by his stripes were healed. Well, we're going to describe to you there was more than just one wounding. And I'll tell you, when I get to the crown of thorns in his head, uh, you'll get it. You'll get it. St. John chapter 21, verse 15 through 17. So if you're new here this morning, if you're new and this is your first time here, I'm going to apologize in advance because I'm not going to preach very long. Um, I'll be done before two o'clock, I think, but uh, I'm different. I'm different. Now, I want to say this to you, but Jesus looked at the Pharisees about John the Baptist and they said this, what did you expect when you went to hear him? Did you think he was refined and polished? Do you think he went to rabbinical schools? He did not, but he knew God. I don't know what you expect when you come here this morning, but I'm telling you that I'm different, but it's okay. It's all right. I'm comfortable in my own skin. But my job this morning, you're going you're to find out some things this morning about me and, and what's going on. And, and, and so St. John chapter 21, 15 through 17. So when they had dined, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon Peter of Jonas, his dad was named Jonas. Do you love me more than these? And he's dealing with these other men. That's real number one. Do you love him more than you love the opinions of other people? You don't have to answer that. Oh, well, my church, I don't care what your church said. Well, I was raised. I really don't care. Do you love me more than you love the traditions of what you've been taught in and brought up in? Because I was raised in a church. I'll tell you, I thought they were perfect. And now that I found out they're perfectly crazy and kooky. <laughs> Do you love me more than these? And he said this. He said to him, Lord, you know that I, I love you. And he said, feed my lambs. Now, we talked about this. Let's go ahead and read this before I get off. He said to him again the second time, son of Jonah, Simon, do you love me? Lovest thou me? And he said to him, yeah, Lord, that I, you know that I love you. And he said, feed my sheep. And the third time he said this. He said, the third time, son, son of Jonah, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he asked him the third time, and I'll tell you why. He said, do you, you lovest thou me? And he said, he said, Lord, you know that I lovest all things, and thou knowest that I love thee. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. So you've heard me say this, and I'll say it to you slowly. The first time he said, feed my lambs, bosco my arneons. Bosco means to put a toddler in a high chair and you don't hand him a menu. My grandson, Adam, or by bus, is fixing to be strapped in a high chair, but his mother doesn't hand him a menu. She just opens up a can of baby food and says, here, eat this. And all babies, the first thing, when they start getting solid food, they spit it out. 
because they're used to milk. So now then they got Gerber peas and carrots and it doesn't taste like milk. So what do they do? They spit that. What does she do? She just scrapes it off his mouth and shoves it right back in. My responsibility is the Bosco Arneons, which is lambs, tender lambs. In the flock of God, there are lambs. My job is this. You come to this church and say, I believe in Revelation that Jesus is going to ride Barney back to earth. I don't know where you got that at, but that's not true. I'm not going to say, if you believe it, it's good. That's not my job. My job is to set you in a high chair and tell you, I don't care if you spit the gospel out, I'm going to cram it right back into your mouth. In all love. And you go, well, I've, I've been used to this denomination, this teaching, and, and I, just, I just don't like it. I don't care if you like it or not. It's good for you. Open up. And if you don't open up, we're going to cram it in you because we've got you strapped in a high chair. That's Bosco, my Arneons. That's what it means. Number two, he said, then feed, if you love me, feed my lambs. Number two, he said, do you love me? This word love is a word called phileo. Peter, do you love me? Do you really love me? And he said, I like you. I'm fond of you, phileo. I'm, I'm, I'm fond of you. I'm attracted to you. Next week, we'll talk about this. I'm attracted to you. There's some of the people come to church here, and, and you have some kind of attraction towards God, but I don't think you love him more than you love the opinions and feelings and desires of not only yourself, but other people. So he gets the next verse. He says, Simon Peter, do you love me? Do you, do you agape me? Do you love me more than anything and everybody else? And he said, well, Lord, be honest with you. I like you. I'm fond of you. And he said, and the Lord is, he said to him, then feed my sheep. Poor main my probatons. Poor main, it means by definition, the Greek, it means to enhance the aroma. Probatons, it means mature sheep. So let me explain something to you. That if you ever went to to a local restaurant, we're going to say Casa Roma's, and you, and you said, I'm not hungry. I just ate. I'm not hungry. Just give me a side salad and, and a flour tortilla, and I'm good. And then some knucklehead beside you orders the chicken a la grande fajitas. And he's within four feet of you. It's a good thing you're not wearing the old Aquanet hairspray or you'd catch on fire. And that baby, whatever they pour on that, gasoline, kerosene, or just pure goodness, they light that thing up, and all of a sudden you go, oh, I wish I'd have got that. I can't make you eat. You're going to see a little different side of me this morning. I can't make you eat, and God knows what you've been eating all week. Hate, rage, violence, sex. Been watching it all week. And you come to church and you go, I'm not hungry. I'm not worshiping. I'm not moving. I'm not repenting. I'm not doing anything. I can't make you do anything. But it's my job to maybe light the fajitas. Please don't raise your hand. But have me just say, I'll go. I don't want to go, but I'll go. And he better be done by 11. Well, you know, that's not going to happen, especially today. And then all of a sudden, something begins to happen, and the music fires up, and blah, 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 and you go, oh, I think now I want to eat. See, my responsibility, I cannot force grown, mature sheep to eat. All I can do is put it in a place and position where the aroma of God will bring a desire to your heart that you want more of him. 
because sitting at home on your couch watching football will not make you crave and desire the nature of Christ. But in an aroma, in an atmosphere where there's worship and praise and agreement, something wonderful happens. And so Jesus is finally in the last verse, he said, Peter, do you even like me? And that hurt his feelings. I think if we'd be honest about this, sometimes I think God would say this. Mike, do you even like me? My friends don't even treat me this way. My enemies didn't deny me. Forget all this love. Oh, I love him. No, do you now? Really? Do you even like me? And I've always said this about people getting married. You need to like, oh, I love him. Oh, I love him. When I look at him, my eyes bulge out. <laughs> but it would help before you get married. Do you like one another? Well, I don't like her. I love her. There's a huge difference because love will fade away. This masculine body of muscles and tone will all fall. The furniture disease, the chest drops to the drawers and all that. So, you know, or Dunlap, my belly Dunlap on my belt buckle, whatever. And so he said, you've got to like me. We're going to deal with this next week. You've got to like me. And do you even like me? And Peter drops his head and he said, Lord, you know me better than anybody. And you know that I agape you. I love you. I just have problems. And what did she say? Here we go. Feed my sheep. All three times, he says, feed my sheep, feed my lambs, feed my sheep, feed my sheep. If you love me, you will feed my sheep. If you really love God, you'll feed his flock, you'll feed his sheep. He didn't say anything build the church because he said, I'll build the church. You just feed my sheep. So here's the $64 question that we're going to talk about this morning. So if we, forget you. If I love God, that I say that I do love God, then there's two important questions that I have to ask myself. Who are his sheep? And number two, what do I feed them? Strange, isn't it? And so you're going to say, well, that person sitting beside me is his sheep. Are you sure? Are you 100% sure about that? So if I, if I love him and I do love him, you know I love him. Well, I say you know. You don't know that, but I love him. I love to do what I'm doing up here because I love him. You know why? Because I love him. I love to feed his sheep. What I have to do is find out who is his sheep. And number two, what do I feed him when I found him? Because I'm not good at entertaining people. I'm not good at just patronizing people. I'm, I'm not a politician. So first of all, dealing with me, you, you kind of have to understand that, that Jesus in Matthew chapter 15, verse 24, watch this. We, we've got to go. But this is what he says. He said, he answered, he said, he said, I was sent not except to the lost sheep, the house of Israel. Jesus said, my main purpose was the house of Israel, the Jews. Now, it doesn't mean that he won't affect and influence other people. He said, this, this, is, this is my lane and I've got to stay in it. By the time you get to the New Testament, in the book of Acts chapter 9, the apostle Paul is called to the Gentiles. 
And he almost loses his life because he goes back to Jerusalem where he had no business going. It means he got out of his lane. You know, there's a, there's a road with pavement. Stay in on that. You'd be better off. Stay in your lane. So Jesus' lane was for the Jews. The apostle Paul's lane was the Gentiles. And even though that Paul dealt with the Jews and Jesus dealt with the Gentiles, but their lane and their calling, I know what my calling is. I'm not your old preacher. I'm not your old pastor. I'm not some guy that you can manipulate to be. I know what my lane is, and here is my lane, and it may shock you. Hang on to your false teeth, but I'm called for the elect. I'm a reformer. And some of you go, what in the world did he just say? Well, I'm glad you asked that. So who are his sheep that I'm supposed to feed? Now turn to somebody and say, you are. <laughs> so if I'm going to feed the flock, if I'm going to feed his sheep and feed his lamb, then wouldn't it be pretty important for me to know who they are? All right. Can, can we leave kindergarten this morning and go to a higher level of learning? Can we do that but not be offended? I mean, my goodness. Thank you. St. John chapter 10, verse 25 through 27. So who are his sheep that I'm supposed to feed? So Jesus answered the Pharisees, and these were all the guys that were perfect on the outside. Oh, they had all the badges and the banners and degrees. They carry the, the, the scriptures on their forehead. Oh, they were perfect. They, they were perfect. So he said to them that I told you, and you believe not that the works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. Watch this. That you believe not because you are not of my sheep. You're not mine. Now that's, that's got to sting a bit. That's got to hurt just a little bit. That would almost hurt for you to understand that people, they were so religious and they were so perfect in their ways that, and God forbid that we don't have anybody here, but you was raised in the doctrine and you crossed all the T's and dotted all the I's and then somebody says to you, you're not his. Wouldn't that sting? <laughs> would that not sting? Verse 28 says this. Let's stop there. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. So hang on just a moment. This is my sermon, so don't get ahead of me here. <laughs> I have two requirements. Number one, that I've got to know who his sheep are if I'm going to feed him, because I love him. I love him. And number two, I've got to know what to feed him, and I'm going to get to that. Maybe today, maybe next week. I'd like to get to it today if you don't care. We'll give you intermission. We'll go to the bathroom, get a drink of water. So what happens is my sheep knows my voice. And not only do they know my voice, but, but, but I know them and they follow me. This Greek word for follow is a wonderful Greek word. And sometimes you use the word for imitate and, and that's not what it is. Look at theos is a word for two words in the Greek. Kelephos is a word for road. It means a, a not very well traveled road. And number two, akuo is the word for acoustics or sounds that are clear, not just noises. Akotheo is a word that means that someone is on a very low traveled path. 
that's not traveled very much, but while they're on this path, they hear a voice sound and distinct. The majority and the multitudes in the scripture has never been right. Never. The Greek calls them mobs. So what? You're a little different. It's okay. So what? You don't go along with the bandwagon of everybody else. It's okay. Maybe the path that you're on is just you and, and you alone for a while. It's okay. But here's the question. On that road and path, it gives you the ability to tune out all the bands and the noises and, and, the, and the fun and the parade. And maybe for the first time in a long time, you hear his voice clearly. Driving down the road, turn the radio off. And just listen. He said, I know who my sheep are. And they hear my voice. And they follow me. They follow me down paths, watch this, that's not very heavily traveled. Ooh, ooh, you should have stayed home, all of you. <laughs> Oh, yeah, but I hear that this is going on in Kentucky. I understand that, but Jesus said, beware when they say there's the anointings and there's the anointings. I'm not saying anything about anything. I'm telling you, when there's not the preaching of the word and repentance, there's no revival without true repentance. That's the way it is. That's the way it is. It's the preaching of the word that brings godliness sorrow to a man's heart. It's knowing that he was bruised for our iniquity and he was crucified and it brings a godly sorrow. Music is a great thing, but it doesn't bring godly repentance. It's a great addition. The after the fact, I happen to like it. But Jesus is saying this, he said, My, you're not mine. Oh, that's got a sting. The reason why I say that because you know what happens two verses later? They all gathered rocks to kill him. Now, that's why Jeremy Resendez will pat you down before you come in here. <laughs> so is everybody comfortable here? I mean, you okay? So can I ask you all a couple questions? So here's a question that's going to either make you mad or make you think. So if the whole purpose of Christ was to come to save the whole world as you think the world is, which I don't believe that it is, but then... At the cross, why didn't he reach out to the man that was dying on the cross? Don't answer it. If he was the savior of the world and, and he did not want anyone to go to hell, then why didn't he look across on the other side, even though that one asked for forgiveness? Why didn't he have the power? Why didn't he say, just repeat the prayer? Just believe in me. Just say the words. If the whole purpose of Christ was here to save the entire planet as we proclaim on a, on a big scale. And don't leave the church over this because I've always known this and felt this, but you've never heard this creeping out of my mouth sometimes, especially the new ones. Then wouldn't it be wonderful? I mean, should he not on the third day of his resurrection? Why didn't he go back to the same courtyard that they brutally wounded him? You're students of the Bible. Wouldn't it make sense to you that this Jesus that rose from the dead, which he did, why did not he go back on the third day? The Bible says in Acts chapter 1, verse 3, for 40 days with infallible proof that he showed himself and walked among them. To who? 
Those, the, 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 those that was with him, those that preceded him through enigma, those that sought him with a, cloud, with a cloud of darkness. I mean, they couldn't figure it out. But they followed him. They pursued him. He had words. Peter said, you have words to eternal life. I don't know what you meant by that, but I know one thing. When you speak, there's something in my life that's drawn me to you and everybody else. They wanted to kill him. Wouldn't it have been wonderful? I mean, don't you think that makes sense? That on the third day of his resurrection, why did not he go back to public square and say, look at here, you killed me, you murdered me, you beat me, but I'm risen from the dead and all you have to do is repeat this vow after me. Do you not think about stuff like this? So you say, well, he left it up to us, but, but, but he's the example. If, if he was here to save the entire planet, like we are parading around, he had the wonderful opportunity on day three to go back to Rome's capital and say, see, you crucified me. The scriptures are true. I'm alive and well. And, and all you have to do is just believe that God sent me and all of Rome will be saved. And he did not. You leave this church and you as raising church and said, he's speaking to everybody. He is not. Wow. You want your money back? You can have it. <laughs> will he speak to people? I'm hoping he will. But Jesus said in John 6, you cannot come to me, to my father, unless the spirit has drawn you. And they all took up rocks to kill him. If you're saved this morning, and please say, I am, and I won't even look. Thank you. It's because that the Holy Spirit has opened the ears of your heart, and he's called you with a sovereign calling. Now, will he call everybody else? I don't know. That's not my business, but I will tell you, if you are saved this morning and born again of God, it's because God has always known you and he wanted you to become part of his flock and his sheep and you know his voice because you've heard his voice, not because somebody screamed to you and forced you down to the front. That's why I don't do that. I want you to be intentuous in your calling that you know it's God that's called you. Because if I call you, then somebody else greater than me will call you into something else. And once he calls you, he has a voice of eternity that is resounding and there's none like him. And so his sheep are those that knows his voice. Wow. I know his voice when there's nobody around. I know his voice when I can't get a TV preacher at 3 a.m., they do more to confuse me. I mean, they just do. They mess me up. I know his voice. St. John chapter 17, verse 6 through 9. Let's talk about this. You deserve an answer. So I'm, I'm, I'm not going to unfold a bunch of stuff. Some of you are offended, but it's okay. I'll still sleep good tonight. It's okay. I'm good. Jesus is in the garden right before his crucifixion, right before the prayer. And, and, and he's praying. Watch what he says. He said, Father, I manifest your name to these men, these 12, that you've given me out of the world. You've given me these men. And they were yours. And you gave them to me. Isn't it amazing? They were yours. You gave them to me. They were yours. 
You gave them to me. You entrusted me with them. They were yours. And they have kept your word. Next verse. Now that they have known that all things which you have given me are from you. So now then, they were yours. They didn't know they were yours. But you sent me to reveal to them that they've always been yours. <laughs> wow. Before the foundation of the earth, he said he was slain. The apostle Paul said in Ephesians that we have been predestinated before the foundation of we've been called in him. The words we said, for I've given to them the words which you've given to me and they have received them and they have known surely that I came forth from you and they have believed that you have sent me. Now hang on, watch this. I pray for them. I do not pray for the world. What in the wide world of sports? That must be a crazy translation. But I pray for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. Jesus is having this wonderful conversation. You're, you're, you're going to lose me and you're going to get lost. That's why I'm trying to speak slowly to you. This is who I am. This is me. And I believe in the sovereignty of God. I believe in divine election. I believe in predestination. If you don't know what this, hang on. But I will tell you, it's a sovereign calling. If you're here this morning, your heart is tender towards God. It's because God was intentional. He's always known you. We'll deal with Romans chapter 8 later on in the next few weeks about predestination and calling and glorifying and sanctifying. But I'm telling you, if you feel the unction to serve God and follow God, it's not because you decided. It's because that he has moved you with his, finger, his hand and brushed across your heart opened up your spiritual mind. And even though we may stumble and fall and we get off track, but we still are familiar with the voice of our Father. I'll guarantee you, without caller ID, now back years ago, I promise you without caller ID that my wife would call me and she would say, uh, Jody, this is Gayla. Well, I'm pretty sure I know who you are. Because she would start out with this, hey, knucklehead. And I said, yes, dear. When you get in a position to talk to God a lot, you know his voice. Jesus said, Father, these men are yours. See, hear me. For those this morning that are his, Father, these, these sheep are yours. You've always known them. They may not have always known you, but you've always known them. And, and you gave them to me in this little church. And I'm not praying for third world countries. I'm telling you, I'm not praying for third world countries. You pray for them. I'm talking about me. I'm not praying for third world countries. I'm, 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 I hope that God does wonderful things. My responsibility is to take care of these that you have given me. And the way that he does it is I reveal to them your words. If you love me, you will feed my sheep. If I love you, I will tell you truth. We're not trying to build anything big and, and, and huge here. I'm trying to reveal to you that your father has always loved you. Your father has given me in charge of you in this local church. And my job is to watch over you. I'm not praying for the world. I'm praying for you, he said. Did you even know that was in scripture? It blows your mind. So why would he even say that? Because he knew that the lane that he was in was to make sure that the, what God had given him 
as he said in, in St. John chapter 6, verse 38, we quote half of it. He said, those that come to me, I will no wise cast out. That's not what it says. Those that my father has given to me will come to me. Let's say that together. Those that my father has given to me will come to me and I will no wise cast them out or I will not let them go. Jesus said this, I'm not in the business of selecting and picking and choosing. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not holy evangelistic meetings. This is the deal. As he said, the woman of the well, he said, I've got to go see her. Oh, you can't go there. He said, but I must needs to go because she belongs to my father. And because of that woman, all Samaria got saved and Philip was in charge of revival and had great things going on because of a woman at a well. He said, those that my father has given me will come to me. So you're saying this morning when, you, when you're new, not that you would answer, you go, well, how come we're not knocking on doors? I don't do that. If you want to knock on doors, get after it. How come you're not got commercial with, with your face on it? Well, because I got a face for radio. I don't do that. <laughs> well, I know, but well, if you do that, we could be this and that, and we could hire a better musician, get a better piano. I understand that. I understand that. I understand everything you say. That's not my lane. My lane is to reveal to the elect that God has a sovereign calling on your life. And those that the Father has given to me will come to me. And here's the deal. That I try not to lock people out. I locked the Eplers out, but we opened up the doors. It was a long story. But I, I believe that what happens, this is the way it works, that one day somebody's going down the road that's really hurting and longing for God, and, and they'll have a flat tire, and they have to pull over in the parking lot, and they're wanting to use the phone. When they get in here, they thought they were going to use the phone, but all along they heard the voice of God, and God just completely caused their heart to surrender in repentance. I don't worry about that. I don't worry about church growth. I don't worry about nothing. Because all that the Father has intended for me to have will come here. And when they get here, I'm going to feed them with spiritual food. Now, Don made a mistake. He came to see me the other day while I was working on the house. And this is what he said, quote, he said, I can listen to you three hours on Sunday mornings, two hours on Sunday night, and an hour on Wednesday. So I'm going to take you up on that. How's that? <laughs> Genesis 25, 23. I'm not going to go far. I can't. But I'll. So the Lord said unto Rebekah, there's two nations in your womb. Two manners of people shall be separated from their bowels. And the one people shall be stronger than the elder, and the elder shall serve the younger. This is Jacob and Esau. Esau, say Edomites. Edomites was, was a great country. Even Herod, the king, was, was from Edom. That's why when the wise men said, we're looking for the king of the Jews, and Herod said, I'm the king, he said, huh, you're an Edomite. Wow. He said, you ain't no king. You're no spiritual king. Because Genesis 25 says that Israel shall rule over the Edomites. I'm trying to help you connect the dot. Tra-la-la-la. So this is what he tells Rebecca. He said, there's two, there's two nations in your, in, your, in your body. They're struggling. They're fighting. Now, now let's watch the Apostle Paul put the whipped cream nuts on this thing. Kind of dumb. I went, Gail and I went to Brahms. She forced me. And, and, and the waitress said the most, I can't say stupidest, but I'll say it, the most stupidest question. She gave me two scoops of ice cream. She looked at me. She was about 19. She looked at me with this deer in the headlights. She goes, uh, do you want whipped cream nuts and cherry? And I thought, 
Oh my gosh. I said, yes. So I'm going to provide to you not only the vanilla, but I'm going to give you the nuts. And so listen to the way the apostle Paul puts this. This is found in Romans chapter number nine and 10. Malachi one deals with it. Malachi one, one through three, you can write it down in your margins. Not only this, but when Rebecca also had conceived by one, even by our father, Isaac, for the children, Esau and Jacob, not yet being born, neither having done good or evil, that the purpose of God, according to the election, might stand. Not of works, but him that calleth. And it was said unto the woman, the elder shall serve the younger. And it is written, which was recorded in Malachi 1, Jacob, I have loved, but Esau, I have hated. Now, just bear with me. Oh, I'm going to. I can't get to the food. I'll get to the food. I'll get, I'll get to the next week, but we're going to feed them. Yeah, I know you do. Here's the difference. Here, here's the deal. There's two nations in her, in her body. And for those that are good Bible students, the Edomites were very powerful. They had dukes and kings, and they became a great nation before Israel did. They're very powerful. Esau grew up very strong, very, very powerful, very domineering. So when it says that Jacob I have loved and Esau I hated, and the scripture before that, before the boys doing good or evil, they haven't even begun yet. They haven't even started in life, in the womb. They hadn't even started yet, but he said, according to the election of God, I didn't say that, the scripture says that, according to the election of God that God had already set in motion before the boys even come out of the womb. This is a little painful for you, but I understand. It won't hurt long. But God called you before the foundation of the earth. God saw you and, and, and gave you a purpose while you were still in your mother's womb before you was even conceived. That's why it took your father and your mother to get you. And even though you was raised in a hellhole in Paris, but it took your father and your mother to get you. And he wanted you. And somebody said, well, why did I have to be born beside, beside, by such a wicked mother or wicked father or wicked parent? It's because God wanted you. And all through the Old Testament, and we ain't got time, but he said there were bad kings and there were bad kings and, and I let them go because their grandson was a good, godly king. God said, I will deal with the bad king and the corrupt because there's one coming under them in the third generation that will serve me. God wanted you. So let me clarify this before you. Now watch this. Esau was, was great, powerful, big, wealthy. Why would it say that he hated Esau? And on the surface, the word hate is less like. But why would he say that I love Jacob and I hated Esau? And Malachi records this. 
Malachi gives you a good description of why. But here we go. Esau was, Edomites was very powerful. They were very strong. They were very conquering. They were very wealthy. They were very well known. So how is it in the mix? Watch this. This, and I'm not, I'm not going to name any names because when I name names, people get upset at me. But how is it that people can be ungodly, can be living a life of sin and hell and all this stuff, but yet they make all the money, they got all the fame, they got all the entertainment, they got all the, they got everything that, that you think is important, but, but they just live like hell and live like the devil and they, they got money, they're just throwing money out the car windows. If God hated Esau, then why did he let him prosper? Why did he let him succeed as a nation? Why did he let him grow that was twice the size of Israel or three times and their army was 10 times bigger than Israel? Why would he allow that to happen if he hated? And here is the answer. And this goes to sheep and goats among the church today. He never disciplined Esau. He let him go. He let him go. He let him do what was in his heart. It was in his heart to do wicked. It was in his heart to conquer. It was in his heart to, to abuse people, run over people, manipulate people, rob people. It was in his heart. And God said, because I hate him, I will never deal with him. So about a year ago, I talked to somebody about this scripture and I hadn't seen them since. God never corrected him. God never chastised him. God never spoke to him. He just let him go. And on his own, he become powerful. He become wealthy. He become a tyrant. He become everything that every man was envious of on the natural part, but there was one thing missing that God never dealt with him. And Jacob, about like Mike Boyette, he got a beating every day. God whipped him. God chastised him. He, had, he was a liar. I mean, he lied all the time. He deceived. His name means supplanter, deceiver, and all these. And I, I, don't, I mean, he's better than I am, but I'm, I'm just telling you. I mean, he still had a sinful Adamic nature, but every time he goofed up, God would correct him. Hebrews 12 says, Don't he loves, he will correct. It's called Master Goo, he'll leave a mark. And he said, If God does not, watch this, does not correct you, you are a bastard. You're not his. Look it up in the Bible. Hebrews chapter 12, 8 through 11. You're a bastard child. You don't belong to him. Jacob was loved by God so much that every step he took, God disciplined him and corrected him. That he would fulfill the calling of God that was called in his mother's womb before the world began. 
He said, they're struggling. He told Rebecca, they're struggling in you. They're struggling in some of you. And here's the deal. Here's it. Here it is. Take a deep breath. If God has never corrected you repentance, you're not his. If sin doesn't grieve you, you're not his. If someone's dirty jokes makes you laugh and you don't feel remorse about it because the Bible said in the Old Testament that Israel got to a point where they never blushed and God turned them over. If sin doesn't break your heart, you're not his. If God doesn't speak to you, now I'm not telling you we won't sin because we all sin and we all fall short. But every time I sin, it grieves me and I'll say to myself, I probably will better off not to do that again. I'm sorry. Has anybody here, I know Danny and Sherry, but anybody here ever fought while you're being married? I know they fight like cats and dogs. I know they do. And especially when Gail and I first got married, you know, if I didn't make her cry the, every day of her life the first, oh, I don't know, 41 years, I wasn't happy. I was hot-headed. I wanted to fight everybody. I grew up in high school fighting everybody. Nobody would cross me. I just knocked her teeth out, hit him with a hammer. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I lost bearings, and I'm learning to do better. I'm better. Yes, I'm better. But somewhere in the process, if God is correcting you, it means you belong to him. And somewhere right after a big argument or some dumb thing that we pull from time to time, something on the inside, watch this, on a less traveled pathway, it's not like your old buddy said, oh, come on, everybody in the church is doing it. Well, I'm not doing it. Oh, come on, it's the Super Bowl. Let's just drink a few and smoke a few. and let's just... Everybody does it. No? No? Oh, why don't you just do this? No. And I understand that comes with maturity. I understand that, but this is what I'm telling you. It should grieve our hearts every time that we have failed God miserably. And if it grieves our heart, then it's a great indicator that we belong to him. And Jacob's whole life was a heart that was grieved towards God because he was just like us. He was self-willed, he was strong, and he was stubborn, and he was determined to do his own thing. But God said, my will is greater than your stubbornness. And I'm here to report to you this morning, God has more grace than I got sin. So I can't speak for you, but I'm going to speak for me. There's a struggling going on in me only on days that end with why. And Paul said, the things that I want to do good, I don't do them. And the things that I, I wish I wouldn't do, I find myself doing this all the time in Romans chapter number seven. But he said, who can deliver me from this battle? And he says, thanks be unto God. It's found only through Jesus Christ. Who are his sheep? Are you, don't answer it. Are you his sheep? Do you know his voice? Or did you just get baptized and sign the card? I want to know. I'm here for the sheep. I'm here, I'm here to produce truth for you, words of life for you. I'm not just praying for everybody that goes down the street. I'm praying for the church. I'm praying for the flock of God. I'm praying for the, the sheep of God. 
that you will know him and not only know him, but as Jesus said, that you will know that he has always known you. And here's the $38 question. What did you have to do and say in you being born into this world? And the answer is nothing. It was up to your mother and father. What did you have to decide to come into your new birth? Nothing. God said, I want him. Predestination means parizzo, the circle in advance. I want him. And I'll use that situation and I'll use that situation even though it's negative, but I'll bring about what I want. And I wanted you, Chuck. And the whole world passes you up and no one says they want you, but he said, I've always wanted you. I've just set you into a small metal building on 4th Street and I have one of my own to remind you because he's feeding the flock. He's telling you, he's always known you. You've always been his. I'm just trying to reveal to you that you've always been his because you can hear his voice. So here we go. Let's close. In a world full of horn honking and phone ringing and screaming and Let's go back to that less traveled road, like the road to Emmaus, where it's just Jesus and his disciples, and he began to expound truth to them. And their eyes were open. If we are his and you are his sheep, then you'll know his voice and you will follow none other. There's a struggle going on with me every day of my life. But the only reason why there's a struggle going on because God knows the greatness will overcome the wickedness in my life. If there's a struggle going on in your life, it's a good thing. If God is correcting you with godly sorrow, that's a great thing. If you've goofed up, just go ahead and raise your hand. Yes. And you feel bad about it, that's a great sign that godly sorrow is living in you. So Father, this morning, as sheep of your pasture, lambs of your flock, I know what the world says. And I've heard what modern day religion is telling us. And I've watched all the spiritual infomercials that makes me sick to my stomach. But I'm an eyewitness that maybe that we understand now because that you hated Esau, you let him go. You never corrected him. You never disciplined. You never spoke to him. You just let him go. And by letting go, he accomplished everything in the natural that would seem to be prosperity, but there was one thing missing. He never knew you. For your sheep this morning, we say this with an honest heart. We trade it all. I let it all go. Then I may know you. If we could just hear two words out of your mouth, 
two clear sounds out of your mouth on a less traveled pathway, that it, it, would, it would sedate all of my nerves if I could just hear your voice again. So this morning, I just speak to your lambs and your sheep. Take them to a less traveled road. Take them to a place where you can remind them that they've always been yours. And you've sent him and you've sent her to this local church to be reminded that they belong to you and they know your voice and you are their shepherd and they are your sheep and they will not follow anyone else. That's the gospel. If you're here this morning, you've never made a personal commitment to God, I understand. If you've never heard his voice, I understand. I'm not trying to get you to repeat anything. I'll never ask you to come down there and say anything after me. I'll never do that. But if you've never given your life to Christ, maybe this morning that he is wooing your heart and he's calling and pulling your heartstrings this morning because you've always belonged to him. You just didn't know it. In closing this morning, Jesus went on to pray in verse 20. He said, not only do I pray for these men, but I pray for those that will accept you, Father, because of these men's words. There's a gospel that needs to be got out for the elect's sake. So this morning, we're just gonna glorify our Father. We are sheep of his pasture. We are lambs of his flock. Let's stand this morning, if you would, please. Did you ever ask yourself why you, in the military with bullets blazing all around you, not one found you to take your life? A drug overdose that should have did you in, but it did not. In a barroom fight, you should not have made it out there alive, but you did. Driving home in the middle of the night, completely intoxicated on a four lane till you realize the next morning it was a two lane road, but you did not die. Did you ever ask yourself why? Coincidence? Hardly. God wanted you because God has always known you and he saved you in time for this particular purpose in time and space this morning that he's always known you. I've always known God. I don't know how, but I've always known him. Even in parties and things I should not have been doing, but I'd have to go in the yard and weep and bawl so nobody would see me because the Holy Spirit would not let me alone. God is with us this morning. Father, we love you. Thank you for calling us. Hmm. Communion servers, please come. It's a holy calling. It's a sovereign calling. 
The boy is still in the mother's womb, not having done good or evil, but the purposes of God stands. God wanted you. So Paul addresses this. So how shall I know unless you send a preacher? And how shall I hear and understand as the elect of God unless you allow me to hear truth? That's what I am to you this morning. Eternity has been sown in your heart. You belong to him. That night he sat with his disciples and, and he broke the bread. He took the cup and the bread and he said, for 1,500 years you've been celebrating this Passover ritual. The unleavened bread represents the, the bread that came down from heaven. But Jesus said in John 6, he said, the bread that fell from heaven that your fathers did eat and they hungered again. But he said, I am now the bread of life. My father has sent down and if any man eat of me, he will never hunger again. And he took the cup and he said, for 1500 years, you've been celebrating the, the lamb's blood. And that lamb's blood was taken and placed in the shape of a cross on the doorpost of the door. And the death angel Abaddon, when they came to that house with Passover, and Jesus said, now then I am the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. I'll cover you. And my Father will take my blood in the shape of a cross. That sin and despair will no longer have any authority in your body. This morning, Father, I pray that as we celebrate Holy Communion, that our eyes will be open and we will understand that You've always known us and you've always set us aside for your use and your purpose. And it's all you. For grace are we saved, not of works, but it's by faith. So thank you for your grace this morning. We give you glory and honor as you rightfully deserve in Christ's name. Amen.